0: Let's get something straight right here. The Winning Edge is not luck. It's sports gaming strategies and information you can use to make your own luck. Right here on the home of The Winning Edge, this is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM.
1: Welcome
3: back into the early line. This is our number two live right here on SportsCard on a Monday morning. I am Kevin Walsh, joined, of course, by Donnie Wrightside as we turn our attention to a little college football, which delivered another interesting weekend of action. But perhaps no game more interesting, Donnie, than the Nittany Lions losing outright to Illinois as over three touchdown favorites.
4: At home, in nine overtimes? What in the world was this game? I don't know, 20-18 to final here, and I guess I can put the uh, nail in the coffin here for the Penn State Nittany Lions in the 2021 championship season, or maybe they could get to the Big Ten championship, win it, and head to the playoff. That's not going to happen, and you can't lose and get to Illinois at home in nine overtimes. But again, Kevin, more than the game itself is the nine overtimes. Boy, what an epic battle. I think Eli Manning and Ole Miss, like a couple decades ago, went on a massive overtime run and pulled out a miracle victory, and that was a lot of fun. This one was nine overtimes of absolute pain, and you knew where you were. You didn't have to be watching the game. If you're on Twitter, hey, I wonder what's going on. Well, I got to check out this Penn State game. Not because it's going well. It's because of epic failure after epic failure after epic failure. It was only right that Illinois actually won this game in the ninth overtime, and not by driving the football and continuously scoring touchdowns, by nobody being able to punch in a two-point conversion, Kevin. What a tough day up there in Happy Valley for Penn State. But even worse, if you had a ticket, went to the game and had to watch it.
3: A a nightmare's nightmare there. Get rid of the two point shootout thing, though, immediately. That's awful and needs to go away right away. The one thing I'll say for the Big Ten is eh, you are where you thought you were. Your only chance to get into the college football playoff is Ohio State. Good thing for you, they're amazing. I can't believe they lost to Oregon. Like, I I can't believe that that happened. They look like they're going to score 80 points every single game they step out. Like, Donnie, their, their last four weeks of action, 59, 52, 66, 54, I get it. It's not a murderer's row. But that Indiana defense has played some decent football. They put 44 points up on them in the first half here. C.J. Stroud, another game of four touchdown passes. Ohio State continuing
4: to climb the rankings and deservedly so. You're right. And how about this Ohio State? Is this what we see every year, Kevin? They have one like clunker, like when they've lost to Iowa by like a million points and still made it into the college football playoff. They have the talent. It just has to work out on a week to week basis, which now it seems like it is. And how about the big miss where everybody was circling and saying, hey, you know what's a good win? Beating Indiana, especially Indiana in Indiana. They're sitting out 2-5 and 0-4 and in the Big Ten as cellar dwellers yeah. here. But I can't take anything away from Ohio State, Kevin, because this is one of those football games that you watch. Ooh, bad rainy conditions. Maybe they'll slip up. They didn't slip up anything. 44 points in the first half. An absolute blowout runaway winner. You know how you make it into the college football playoff when you lose early in the season? Blow everybody out and force the playoff committee's hand, saying, we can't keep this team out. They're the hottest in football. Ohio State's doing that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned
3: Indiana. And this is very important, okay? So, Indiana's played a lot of really interesting teams this year. They played Iowa. and lost 34-6. Penn State shut out 24-0. Right? Ohio State, 54-7. Played Cincinnati, 38-24. And it was a lot closer than that final score suggests. I'm telling you right now, this Bearcats team, who just beat Navy by seven, and they were really bad in the first half, as we bring the radio audience into the fold and appreciate all those listening to the early line on Sports Grid Radio, Kevin Walsh, your right side here on a Monday morning talking some college football. This Cincinnati resume that everybody is pumping up entirely rests on Notre Dame's shoulders. You better pray that the Irish don't lose another game because that Indiana win is in fact now bad. Like, compare it to the rest of the country. They didn't beat Indiana the way that the number two team in the country is supposed to. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. They don't control their own destiny. The Buckeyes will jump them soon enough. OU will jump them soon enough. Bama's in the hunt. Oregon keeps putting the right results up on the board. Michigan and Michigan State are unbeaten. Cincinnati has to be perfect, Donnie. And that resume is nowhere near what people like to pretend that it is.
4: No, and uh, the other team being Navy, having the football with under a minute to go with a chance to tie you. This isn't the Keenan Reynolds Navy team where they were ranked. And what a nice win it is to go on the road and beat the Naval Academy. No, this is a terrible Naval Academy team. You won 27 to 20. This was the issue that we brought up time and time again. It's not only that Cincinnati needs to win. They have to basically beat teams like Ohio State is beating teams every week to stay relevant. Now, they still sit in that two-hole, but you are right. Notre Dame has to keep winning, and other teams have to be unimpressive, but Cincinnati can't just slip by. They have to blow teams out if they want to get in the college football playoff.
3: Let me add this. Power five. Four of those conferences feel like they're in the mix, and then there is the ACC. Wake is unbeaten. Shout out DRS. That team win total towards the over. Pitt beat Clemson Donnie, and it's not headline news. It is the third time Clemson lost this season. I am still, every single time it happens, going to be baffled. And the most incredible thing is, Pitt was favored in the game. We're clearly the right side. I do not know what to make of this Davos-Sweeney-Clemson-Tigers season because we haven't seen this from a real powerhouse. I I don't remember seeing something like this.
4: No, and how many people on Saturday said, now wait a second here. The buck stops here. Clemson's mm-hmm. getting points. They're going to win this football game not so fast. This isn't the Clemson team that you're so used to looking at in the previous with Heisman Trophy-winning quarterbacks, breakaway running backs, and dominant wide receivers. They're in some trouble.
3: A great college football season continues. We've talked next, though, about some NBA games coming up today.
2: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Time to talk a little ball here. On the early line, the NBA yesterday in action, six games, some interesting results. The Warriors stay unbeaten, the Thunder stay winless, the Magic upsetting the Knicks. Lakers get on the board for their first win behind Carmelo Anthony, scoring 28 points. But maybe no result more interesting than the Brooklyn Nets at home losing by 16 to the unbeaten Charlotte Hornets. And I'd love for the Charlotte Hornets to be the story, but you know the deal. It's not the story. It's a Nets team, Donnie, that if not for Doc Rivers still hilariously being your 76ers head coach, this is a Nets team that would be 0-3. This is a Nets team that's no, not playing right. good basketball no. yet this season. This is a concerning start that
4: brings up some questions for a team that's missing one of their big three. I don't understand. Like, I, the, the Nets should not have a – this is supposed to be the team that's walking into the NBA finals, whether or not Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving either even shows up at this point here. That's not the case because we were watching live on In Play Sports tonight, a Sixers team about to blow the doors off of the Nets and then just figure out we can't score in the final, I don't know, five minutes of a game and hand that game over. So, oh, Read the Nets fans, you know, that was an anomaly opening night when you got blown out by the Bucs, now you righted the ship. Now you lost again yesterday and are coming back again today. And also keep in mind, KD is playing very well. James Harden looks like he's either not in shape yet or not ready to start the 2021 NDA season because he needs to step his game up. If you're going to rely on Kevin Durant, that's a good thing, right? Kevin Durant's going to drop 25, 30, 35 points a night. But you expect that one-two punch coming from James Harden, not the one-two turnover punch that James Harden has been providing here. They'll get it worked out. They are way too talented to have a bad basketball season. But it will be interesting to see what happens with Kyrie Irving. But right now, I need more out of you, James Harden. I need more. So Harden right now
3: is... Prying Wolf over the new foul rules. Steve Nash is saying they're making a point on him specifically because he is the poster boy of the changes. Maybe that's true. And I think all, overall Harden will sort it out. But he's I mean he's two of eight from three yesterday against Charlotte. Is he trying to get fouled on every single three he shoots? It was a minus fifteen. Hit eight turnovers. It's disastrous. But also, Kyrie Irving is. The third member of a big three. They are built to be top heavy. Because the interesting thing about this Brooklyn team is you ask yourself, how great are they behind the top three? I don't know how good Joe Harris is anymore. I, I truly cannot tell ever since that postseason disaster that he put forward against Milwaukee. Nick Claxton is a fine player. If Javon Carter is in your starting lineup, that's not good. Blake Griffin looks washed. Patty Mills' job is to fire threes away from the bench, but he was a nightmare yesterday, 2 of 10. Bruce Brown's been benched, basically, by this team because of last year's debacle against Milwaukee as well. Like, is LaMarcus Aldridge the third-best player on this team? This is the thing, Donnie, too, as we'll transition to some preview for today's slate The back-to-back brigade here, they're laying eight and a half on Washington. When you're playing the second leg of a back-to-back, it helps to have a big three. Maybe I'm resting one of my guys. I can separate workloads now. Instead, you've got Durant and Harden who have to go out there again, play a scrappy Washington group. They're laying eight and a half points. This is not a Nets team that I would look to be backing against the number here, even though they're home.
4: Yeah, and if you could try to equate it sport to sport, right? You know what the Brooklyn Nets have a lot of feels for me right now? The Kansas City Chiefs. Don't get it together. What are you kidding me? What, Wizards? What just think at this point? But you also keep an eye on. This is a back-to-back game. They played big minutes yesterday trying to win a basketball game at home and weren't able to do so, both Durant and also for Harden. So if you're going to stagger these minutes, as we saw, like, opening, like, hey, James Harden's just going to take off the fourth quarter, I guess, you know that's going to be the case tonight because – there's bigger things than winning a basketball game here in the month of October. That means being healthy, rested, and ready for the playoffs. And I'm not to say that, you know, they're starting out and they might, you know, Hey, James Harden, take the night off, or let's really restrict your minutes. I'm not saying that, but at this time, don't think that it's going to be the utmost importance. If this game is 85, 85, midway through the fourth quarter and say, Hey, man, Harden's already got 33 minutes played. We can't really run him down the stretch. You could see that happen tonight. But the bigger picture is we thought they would come out rolling here, the the Brooklyn Nets. They're certainly not rolling here. My, would it be interesting to hear the talk if they lose to the Wizards tonight after blowing the game mm. yesterday?
3: I mean, that's a 2-0 Washington Wizards team, Donnie. A little bit Ooh. of respect here. Again, it's a Brooklyn team that should be and 3 Doc Rivers helped them out and put one on the board. Man, does that guy stink as a head coach? Imagine keeping him employed after last season. How about some other key spots on this NBA board here, Donnie? I think Indiana-Milwaukee is a really interesting game here. Bucks two and one. This Pacers team, ready for this? So they've they're one and two. They're their third quarters this season. They have lost 33-13, 33-23, 17-8. What is Rick Carlisle doing in the locker room to this team? Like the exact opposite of good coaching? They, they are getting obliterated here in third quarters. Perhaps some live opportunities are to come from that, but they become a very difficult team to back when it feels like no matter what happens in the first half of action, they're going to have a quarter where they just aren't playing anything that resembles competitive basketball.
4: No, you're right. And you take a look at this game overall. Like, if you get a healthy Drew Holiday in this game, you look down that Bucks lineup compared to what you're getting out of the, in the Indiana Pacers, a 229 also number looks kind of intriguing, or 230 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. I got to say, it's hard. Like, isn't it hard just to not look at this game and say, now, wait a second, the Bucs are only minus three and a half in this game. If I can get a healthy game out of all of my five starters, they should be able to roll. That's the only way I can look at it here, but it is early in the NBA season. As I said, again, when we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. You do have some minutes restrictions. It's not all that important that Giannis plays a full 40 minutes in this game in a tight game down the stretch, but I do lean towards the Milwaukee Bucks in this game, Kevin.
3: Two prop looks from this game, over 12 and a half points from Miles Turner in three of his games. So he's three games this year. In two of them, he was under 10. And then the other game, he scored 40. He's had some foul trouble here. I think you're going to see Miles Turner, if he can stay on the court, put up a little bit better performances. And then over two and a half threes on Grayson Allen is a plus price. It's a play on volume. His games this year, three of 10, two of eight. Two of eight from beyond the arc, shooting it at less than 27%. A career 38 or better percent shooter from beyond the arc. A play on volume for Grayson Allens over. Looking towards the late slate as well, Donnie. An interesting one between the Clippers and the Blazers. This is an 0-2 Clippers team that has competed, certainly, but not put the right results up as they've lost to Golden State and Memphis. In comes a Portland team that got a really huge win. Over the Phoenix Suns, you look at the numbers right now, Clippers lay two and a half. This totals a 232 and a half.
4: Yeah, what's the goal here for the Clippers for most of the regular season, Kevin Wright? Holding your head above water until the claw, Kawhi Leonard, comes back here. Not starting the season out 0-3 with a couple games on your home court. It doesn't feel... It's early, guys. There's 82 games in a season. But doesn't this start to feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, the losses piling up? You can't take another loss here. Almost like a must-win type of situation for the Clippers just to get some, you know, good vibes around the building here. You should be able to beat this Trailblazers team. But I got to say, just because you should and you're laying a minus three in this game doesn't mean you will because if Damon Lillard, CJ McCollum get going in this game, they can take you out here. I haven't seen enough here out of the Clippers, but you know what I can't see out of them? Is a, another game that they lose. You got to get a win sooner or later, Clippers. It needs to happen tonight.
3: It certainly looks like that way. I got to say, Paul George is becoming a guy that maybe you have to back in the props market here. You look at his points plus rebounds plus assists. That Rebels. number tonight is 42.5. He's been over that in, in both games. And as Donnie said, he's been five threes in each of the first two games here. That number is a 2.5. It's minus juice, but he's also firing double-digit threes in each of the games here. One more interesting one to follow tonight. A couple of teams that Donnie and I talked about in the futures market here. The unbeaten Bulls go to Toronto. The Raptors are looking for their first win at home, 0-2 in Toronto. Part of the reason I liked their win total over was I thought that they would be very difficult to beat in that building. It's been the exact opposite. The Raptors, three-point home dogs to the Bulls. Interesting game. We go back to the NFL next.
2: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Back to the NFL here on the early line. We'll talk Monday night football. Seahawks, Saints on Uh, The other side in our next segment. But we still have a couple of more games that we want to recap here. And as much as I would love to not talk about this Eagles game here. You got to bring it up. Actually, I kind of do want to talk about it, Donnie, because it was to me a big wake-up call. And I know sometimes I can live in a little bit of a la-la land because I want the Eagles to be competitive. And I thought that this roster had a chance to do that. And I thought if two and four, you could justify that they constantly were playing elite competition throughout the league. And I thought that if they were able to go to Vegas and maybe put the right result, up, uh, right result up on the board, maybe one of the sixth or seven spots in the NFC could be theirs. And not to take a shot at Vegas, they're five and two. We'll talk about that clearly playing great ball here but I think this was the game for me and I know you've been there for a while the Eagles are not going to be competitive in any meaningful way here this season it's a year that as a lot of people said it's about whether or not Jalen Hurts is the guy and I still question whether or not that's all it's about because I also think the same things are said of Nick Sirianni and they might even be said about Howie Roseman
4: yeah, this is a tough season for the Eagles because a lot of components are, are, are colliding at once, as you brought up. You have to find out if you have the starting quarterback. You have to find out if, he's your, if you have your, the correct GM in place. You have to find out if you have the correct head coach in place. You have to find out if you have the correct defensive coordinator in place. A lot of things coming into one season. Now, also, I do have to remind people out here. The Eagles are in salary cap hell for the past two years. They can't go out and sign free agents. The Carson Wentz deal buried them. The Alshon Jeffrey deal buried them. So you're sort of with what you get because it was only a few weeks ago where they had like $90 million in dead cat money playing in a football game that weekend. I should have said not playing. So next year, we'll get better. Three first-round draft picks and a ton of money under the cap because when you can go out and sign players, certainly makes your team a little bit more affable for the season. But let's get to the crux of the argument here of what we don't like about the Eagles right now. They're not running the football. When they finally do run the football, Miles Sanders does get hurt. So you lean it over to Gainwell, who is a decent young running back, but he's more of that Swiss Army now. If we want to throw him the football, maybe give him a run or two a game to keep the defense honest and move forward. Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. You can see him be so electric at times, running the football. Anytime he breaks the pocket, he glides. Like, man, he knows he's going to pick up this first down. Doesn't usually take the big hit, slides down. But then you see the big-time throw, and then two or three non-big-time throws. Look at the game yesterday in a nutshell here. Derek Carr threw 34 times. Jalen Hurts threw 34 times. One guy almost didn't even have a single incomplete pass it felt like. So when you try to line up the two quarterbacks side by side, you have to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. Derek Carr has had hundreds of starts in the NFL. Jalen Hurts has about a dozen here. But if you want to win in the football league, it's about having that quarterback that can get hot and carry a football team. Not when he drops back to pass, man. Oh, I hope this guy's open and he makes the pass. Still early in his career, but right now the returns are Jalen Hurts is an NFL quarterback. But I don't know if he can be an elite NFL quarterback for me, Kevin.
3: And that's the question, and I think a lot of times you want to give guys as much of an opportunity as possible, but the difficult thing that Jalen Hurts has working against him is the Eagles have to make a decision this offseason because of the way the draft capital is going to line up. They struck gold on the Miami Dolphins' first-round pick. That team is horrible. One and six. We'll talk about them in just a minute here. The Indianapolis Colts are three and four, and at the end of the day, You're going to be getting their first-round pick here, it appears. Carson Wentz playing some good football. And it doesn't matter whether or not they go out there and win a Super Bowl. You just needed that to convert to a first-round pick, and I think that it will. And the Eagles pick will possibly check in top 10 unless they hit some miraculous run here. Three first-round picks, and again, one of them from the Dolphins that very well could be top five. And you're looking at a spot where they're going to have all of the capital in the world to be in the hunt, For any of these quarterbacks, that might demand out. Looking at a Russell Wilson, looking at an Aaron Rodgers. But I think the question around this team then, Donnie, almost becomes less about Hurts and more about Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. Because it feels like the Sirianni love that was all there from week one and was deserved is gone. I have no idea what's happening with the defense. Derek Carr was 31 of 34. You should not have only three incompletions on 34 attempts against any defense there. They were gashed on the ground consistently by this team. I just don't know if the roster there, and again, a lot of that comes down to Howie Roseman, but to give the Vegas Raiders their credit, Donnie, 5 and 2, missed turmoil, 2 0 oh without John Gruden, super impressive.
4: Yep, and also without Darren Waller. And I thought that was the – hey, Darren Waller's not playing. Eagles going to run him over. All week long, there, sometimes I feel like I'm the biggest hater of the one team that I do like in the NFL, which is my Philadelphia Eagles. All week long, I, the, the one premise that I wanted to beat down was I don't understand why the Eagles get so much respect from the oddsmakers. They're an average to below average football team going on the road, and that line is going to close at a two, at a plus two, which means – they need to win the football game that people expect them to win. Even with Waller out, I didn't trust it. I say, I've seen the Raiders play good football. I've seen the Eagles, when they play a decent football team, they can't do anything. And here they are opening up the game, 7 to nothing. walk right down the football field. Oh, look, the Eagles are ready. They took that mini bye week. It looks like they got things together. They're going to run the football. And everything collapsed once Miles Sanders went out. But there is always betting value regardless of any situation in the NFL. And the one thing you can rest on is that the Philadelphia Eagles will play well in the fourth quarter when it doesn't matter as they tacked on 15 meaningless points here in the fourth quarter to push that game over the total. And also for myself, I had a little live in-game wager on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the Eagles team total to be over 14.5, and that hit easily as well.
3: They consistently score in the final four minutes of games. It's every single week. They are maybe the best live betting team in that perspective all year long. Uh, on Again, Vegas 5-2, and two playoff hunt, legitimate conference, or rather division hunt, legitimate. One more thing just quickly on the Philadelphia Eagles here. Is how you mentioned they are so respected on the lines. And it makes it difficult because one thing we, we go, oh, that's an Eagles line, or that's a Bucks line, that's a Cardinals. Yep. Is constantly, these are Eagles lines, constantly. And now you look at the schedule here, and it's Detroit on deck, and then they're home against some of the tougher teams. Their final six weeks are fascinating. And Look, the I don't know why who builds these NFL schedules, but they I mean it's legitimately no effort gets put into them. Like the Eagles were clearly the cert, their 30-second schedule they built out of 32. You cannot play 5 of your 6 division games in the final 6 weeks. That is ridiculous. Their last 4 are all division games here, but to be fair, Donnie, of 5 of their last 6 games are the Giants, Washington and the Jets. You got chances out there, but again, to do what? That's realistically the question. There, looking through some other results here on the board, Atlanta beats Miami, a dog of the day right there for Donnie on the Dolphins. Deserved better. Mm. I don't know what to say about my. I mean, they're one in six. Is it Donnie? Let me. All right, here's the question: Was that Tua Tagovailoa's last game as a Miami Dolphin?
4: I don't think so. I don't think it is. I just don't think it's smart if they're going to make that move to Deshaun Watson midseason because maybe you make the move if your quarterback's not playing well, Kevin, and you're three and three or you're three and four, one and six for what? So he comes over and ruins your draft position or, you know, because you're still going to get second and third round picks. I, I don't understand what's going on with the Miami Dolphins, particularly yesterday. This was one of the team totals I was looking at and said, you know what? The Miami Dolphins were at a a 23-and-a-half. If Devontae Parker played, I would have bet the Miami Dolphins team total over. Didn't need it here, but you still needed a big-time second-half effort. They only had seven at the break. It's like, man, this Dolphins team stinks, and here they are with a lead just needing one stop at home against that dominant offense in the Atlanta Falcons. They couldn't do anything. Kyle Pitts was sensational this game, but I think the bigger picture here is we expected so much more out of Miami this year. Because what you're getting now, Kevin, is the Dolphins are bad. But Tua Tagovailoa isn't bad. And that's an issue here now.
3: This is the point that I think has to continually be made. To label this team a quarterback away is wrong. Preseason, I thought it was true. I liked Flores. I liked the defense. I have huge question marks about Flores. And the defense is just garbage. It's It's horrible. The defense is actively bad here, Donnie. At home, Atlanta comes in and 30 spots you. Tua gave this team the lead with about two minutes left here. And methodically, Matt Ryan walks them down the field. Last play of the game, a game-winning 36-yard field goal for the Atlanta Falcons, and they win this game 30-28. to Like, you look at the Dolphins here. You gave up 45 to the Bucs. You gave up 31 to the Raiders, 35 to the Bills. The defense is bad. Next week, Donnie, they go to Buffalo. It's 13-and-a-half-point underdogs. <laughs> if I put Deshaun Watson onto the field, you're still a touchdown dog. And, in fact, if we put the, like, Deshaun Watson hasn't practiced, hasn't played football, doesn't know the team, you're probably, like, still 10-point dogs. Like, Deshaun Watson, if he joins Miami – is not a team where I'm like, ooh, let me go grab some big-plus money on them to make the postseason. That's not happening for this group.
4: No, and also keep in mind with the Miami Dolphins, not like you have a ton of draft capital, and you were talking about what the move is going to be to get to Sean Watson if it's three first-rounders and two second-rounders and players. That means you're expecting him to be the missing piece with a ready-built championship contender that's supposed to make the playoffs this year and make a deep run at the Super Bowl. That's not happening here. They are in a state of flux down in Miami, which I don't think they could have seen anything of a one and six start here to the season.
3: Uh, and I guess on the other side, though, give Atlanta some credit. Doing a nice job here. Denver Broncoing yep. the situation, beating bad teams. Three and three, tied with the uh, Vikings for that seventh best record overall in the NFC. Do I buy Atlanta? No. This is kind of like the second NL wildcard team thing we did all year long, Mo. Who do you buy? for six and seven in the nfc you might end up actually liking atlanta maybe more than you think we take a break here on the early line we come back we'll talk a little sunday night football the indianapolis Colts, the niners and of course we'll preview tonight's game
1: every time.
2: And if you love the fillet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba 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 ba. All
3: right, let's keep things moving here on the early line. Kevin Wallace and Donnie Wrightside with you on this Monday morning before we talk a little Monday night football. Got to talk some Sunday night football. How about the Indianapolis Colts, man? At the time when they were 1-4, we said it here on the show, unanimously agreed. They were the best 1-4 team by far that the NFL was offering. And I think they've proven that to be true. Obliterate the Houston Texans, which is a rite of passage for all teams in this league. And then what they did last night, Donnie, against that San Francisco 49ers team at home, off a of bye, very impressive to me. Indianapolis, 30 To 18, your final score in the rain, Wentz, two touchdowns overall. This was a game where you can see that the calls are not just done yet. And I think a good reason as to why you had a piece of their win total towards the over.
4: Yeah, in a bomb cyclone going on the road, winning here. And look, when we were talking about early in the season, what I liked about the Indianapolis Colts, we talked about the tough start to the first part of the schedule, which you just needed the Colts to be, you know, treading water, which is exactly what they're doing at three and four right now, because coming into the season, you probably thought this might have been one of the games they lost. So this is one in your win column where maybe some of those earlier games, which you're hoping to split, particularly in the first two games they have between the Rams and the Seahawks, which were both losses, but also Keep in mind, the Colts are so injured. They're so injured at wide receiver. They're secondary getting injured by the moment. That is a big-time win to go on the road in the rain against San Francisco and pull out a victory that you were down 12-7 to seven and even included one of those game-losing plays, which you typically see, Carson Wentz out of nowhere throwing a shovel pass directly in the red zone to a San Francisco 49er. They were able to pull this game out and win it going away 30 to 18. Maybe this propels them there because I am sitting on the over eight and a half win total for the Colts. But you're only as good, Kevin, as how healthy you can be. And I guess if the offensive line stays intact and you have Jonathan Taylor running and Carson Wentz just making the good play, the right play, I think it sort of adds up here in the end. But I got to tell you. I was impressed by that performance they say on the road in the rain.
3: Look, that Wentz play is one of my favorites of the season. If you know Wentz, which Eagles fans do, there was a guy right behind the linebacker. He was going to throw it over his head. He didn't even like he didn't get credited with an interception. It was a fumble. Yeah, I don't know why. Like that's only car like that's only Carson Wentz. Because the thing is, he legitimately fumbled it which, like, didn't feel possible in the moment. Again, like, that's Wentz. There isn't a single play in the world that he isn't positive he can complete. Like, he was firing it all over the field in a monsoon. Like, he threw – he ended up with 150 yards. That's because he threw, like, six deep shots that were all pass interferences against the Niners. I I mean, this was a a game, though, for the Colts. Again, if they would have got help from Buffalo or Kansas City, they're going in next week – Hosting the Titans chance to tie him into division. But we talk about an open AFC and the Colts right now are in the hunt of it. On the other side of the field. If we're going to overreact on it. If you, I need to give you a week 7 overreaction. The Niners' season is over. You can't be at home off a of bye and lose to the Indianapolis Colts. Drop to 0-3 at home. Jimmy Garoppolo an outright disaster. Outside of one of the most bizarre drives I've ever seen. Three plays. Of 70 yards, all passes, a touchdown from Jimmy G. That was bananas. They're done. Figure out when you want to put Trey Lance in. I I don't see any world where I buy back in on San Fran. Am I overreacting?
4: I think you're overreacting a little bit here because I think some of the troops are going to come back. And once you get both of your quarterbacks healthy, George Kittle healthy, a stable running back position, you still have a lot of talent on this team. Let's keep in mind, when they come back on the field at the Bears, you can win that football game at home against the Cardinals, which, hey, look, it's good. Maybe you lose that. The Rams is a tough one. But then you have the Jaguars and then the Vikings at home. You have the Falcons still on the schedule. There are some winnable games that you have. But also keep in mind for me, Kevin, as I take a look at a from a betting perspective a little bit different than most people. I look at these games and you say, well, look at the last two weeks. 17-10 to the Cardinals you get beat up. You had Trey Lance just running wild like a chicken, you know, without a head out there. And I thought he did okay. He made a couple athletic plays, but you're not going to beat the Cardinals in that type of performance. You score 18 points at home in a monsoon. So most people would say, hey, that offense is broken. Not so fast here. If you can line up with let's just say a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo offensive line, decent running game and George Kittle back in nice weather conditions. These are a buy-on type of situation for me. The same thing I looked at the New England Patriots. Who's looking at the New England Patriots to go off and score a lot of points? Well, I was because you're in these buy-low spots, and it's a great question you brought up. For the rest of the season, for them to get in the playoffs or win the division, probably not. But this offense under Kyle Shanahan, if it is healthy, they'll move the football. Maybe you're buying low at a good spot now.
3: Uh, Overall, it's possible. I think part of the reason, Donnie, is I know I don't believe in Jimmy G. And I don't really know how excited I am for Trey Lance coming back in. I wasn't super impressed in the reps that Trey Lance put forward. That's one team in the NFC West going through struggles. Another is the Seattle Seahawks here. They host the Saints. The Saints also off of a bye as four and a half point road favorites, Donnie. This total is 41 and a half. And the Seattle Seahawks trying to close out a pick six for me as a home dog. We have six weeks of Monday night football thus far, and every single home team has one on Monday night football, including two outright dogs, five and one against the number for home teams so far, on Monday night football. This is a Seattle team. I get it. They didn't go out there and do what a lot of people needed them to do against the Pittsburgh Steelers to believe that they could keep their season alive. But what they put forward in the second half to me was enough for me to trust this team here. Again, at home, I still don't think that going into Seattle is always going to be the easiest thing in the world for teams, even if they actually are 0-2 to start the year in that building A lot of Monday night trends, a lot of just trust, I guess, in Pete Carroll and Geno Smith. And also, too, Donnie, we're looking at a Saints team that has been inconsistent as imaginable. They have yet to win consecutive games or cover consecutive games
4: on the season. Yeah, getting some firepower back on the defensive side of the football and offensive side of the football here for the New Orleans Saints, but also take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook. It opened at a minus three here as a road favorite for the New Orleans Saints. Now we're taking a look here on Monday night football game day. They're up to a minus four and a half, and also there is some weather that you're going to want to worry about. Rainy conditions in Seattle, nothing new, but windy around 15 miles an hour. Now, last night it ended up going over the total in that monsoon. Keep in mind also when you're up in Seattle, it's not a grass field. It is a turf field. So a little bit better drainage conditions here. But that number opened up, Kevin, at 43 and a half. Now sits at 41 and a half. I do tend to think there's going to be more points in this game than not not in love with the situation on both sides because we haven't seen that explosive offense just yet out of the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. We now have a Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks squad. So maybe, you know, points will be a little bit harder to come by. But again, we're talking about a 41 and a half last night. Mm-hmm. You can't pick worse weather conditions and the game still cruised over yesterday. I see the same thing here in Seattle, even though I'm not in love with Jameis Winston. I think he can run an effective offense. I'm not in love with Geno Smith, but there's no reason to believe he can't get to the 20 point marker in this game. Even though rainy, windy conditions, 41 and a half is extremely low. I'll lean on the over in this game here tonight.
3: The one interesting thing as well, when a lot of people talk, oh, it's going to be bad weather, this, that, and the third, sometimes you still get forced into passing situations. And there were a lot of turnovers last night, Donnie, that led to points, right? Fumbles from the Colts that put up Niners uh, field goals and fumbles from the Niners that put up Colts touchdowns Mm -hmm. there. So I agree that absolutely can boost up. Trying to look for some more scoring here. Going through this board, looking for player props that jump out. And I got to say, I'm more interested in the patented match specials market that we're so often checking out here. Last night, got involved in the monsoon. One rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown from each team was a plus 260. And it paid out in tonight's game, Donnie. It is a plus 240. I think I'll be back to the window here on this match special. One
4: of our absolute favorites. It is one of our favorites here, and I think it's a legitimate one because when you take a look at these match specials, right, they're not plus 100, they're not minus 140. They're legitimate long shots here, but they do make sense. You have two teams with you know some good running game here. You have two athletic quarterbacks. You're also taking a look at one touchdown, one rushing, not in each half, just for the game itself for each team, which makes some sense. Take a look at this match special here, which again, we, we fall in love with certain ones that are a lot of fun to bet. And also, you're talking about like a fifty dollar bet paying out three, four, five, six to one. How about this one tonight, Kevin? You've seen me take this time and time again. I took one yesterday, and I didn't even think this was going to be a long shot, but it lost, and that was Patrick Mahomes and also Ryan Tannehill, each to throw a touchdown in each half yesterday. Take a look tonight. Now, again, we're going with Jameis Winston, who usually is an electric quarterback, but not so much here for New Orleans this mm-hmm. season. Geno Smith is a backup, but another week under you know center here, and he's going to be at home. One touchdown pass in each half for both guys yesterday, as I said. Plus two seventy with Tannehill, and plus with uh, Mahomes today, Kevin, twelve to one on that price tonight mm. on Monday Night Football, a fun one which you could throw ten dollars, twenty dollars, you know, thirty dollars down, whatever you want, but a twelve to one price might be some fun for tonight.
3: Almost a principal play in a way, because yeah. again, some of these match specials we're often coming back to. One of the ones that I've talked about a lot on the show is the two quarterbacks combining for 500 yards and four plus mm-hmm. passing touchdowns. In last night's game, 16 to one. Now, it didn't get there. I obviously, but I mean, you said three total passing touchdowns in the Tonight's game, it's plus 950. I don't know if the weather will allow us to ultimately line that one up and knock it down, but it will be tempting. If we have enough time, Donnie, we can come back and talk some more of these. But were there any other traditional props, whether it be touchdown scores or some yardages, that you were taking a look at here on Monday Night Football?
4: Yep. We take a look here at like on my uh, pick six contest last week, you know, the anytime score. I, I don't like to go with the minus numbers here because I think it's a little bit more fun and you play yeah. with some house money. Like the Damian Harris plus 120, plus 115. That cashed right away on the second drive of the yeah. ballgame. That was great. So in this game, we can always look and say, hey, let's take Alvin Kamara here and it should be. He should score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I get it. But I'm going to look at those secondary options. I'm going to take a guy tonight at a plus 160 clip who seems to always be wide open, particularly at home. Now Russell Wilson's not throwing the football. It is Geno Smith, but why not look at Tyler Lockett at a plus 160 price tonight to get into the end zone? As I said, there's a lot of other options out here with more limited odds that might make a little bit more sense, but if I'm looking to make a little bit of money tonight at a plus money number, Tyler Lockett plus 160 anytime touchdown for me makes a lot of sense. And also look at the two quarterbacks in this game. Mm -hmm. This isn't Justin Fields. This isn't Davis Mills. Jameis Winston sitting back here. At 207 and a half? That's going to be hard to pass up tonight, Kevin. Also, take a look at Geno Smith at 209 and a half. I mean, this is outrageous. Like, you look at, like, the 250, 225, 275 pass props. Like, yeah, they could do this. You're basically looking at these guys just to get over 200? My goodness, they're hard to pass up.
3: It it truly, truly is. I mean, and you look like Geno's pass attempts is 30 and a half. Like, is he supposed to complete none of them? I mean, 18 and a half completions. He hits a couple of bombs there to just those wide receivers that we're often always talking about being legitimate looks there. I mean, Lockett, 45 and a half receiving yards. Metcalf, 61 and a half receiving yards. Just not used to seeing those guys always priced down so low. I will say the running back rushing props I'd be a little cautious of tonight. The Kamara number 92 and a half is very very high to me and Collins 44 and a half while it looks appetizing and quite low off a 100 yard game against Pittsburgh the Saints rushing front has been difficult to get loose against here for big big gains all right that'll do it for the break down here on monday night football donny rightside will close out this monday edition of the early line right after this quick break keep it here on-
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: ba ba Last
4: segment of the day for a Monday Great. Crazy- Here on the early line, both myself, Donnie Wrightside, and Kevin Walsh setting the table from 7 to 9 a.m. before we hand it off over to the morning after with Ben Stevens, 9 to 12, right here on the Sports Grid Network. Love always to end these shows, talking about some hot topics on the scene. And you guys know, I want to be commissioner. I want to be commissioner of every league. There's two things I want to talk about today, one in the NFL and one in NCAA football. Did you watch yesterday the Washington football team take on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field? Tyler Heineke runs out of the pocket, dives into the end zone. Touchdown is scored. The comeback is on for the Washington football team. Not so fast. Some oddity rule out here that the NFL thought was needed where a quarterback is giving himself up when nobody is around as he dives for the goal line. So they put the ball just short of the goal line. And they say, okay. Should be able to quarterback sneak this one and get this easy here for the Washington football team and make this mistake a right one, right? Heineke already scored. But say, okay, he didn't score. Let's do it again here. Heineke snaps the football, leans forward and loses it. Live ball in the field. Heineke picks the football up, puts the ball over the goal line. That is a touchdown. The NFL says, no, it is not. When did we get to this point where we can't just sit at home and actually make a ruling on a play? The guy in a bar who's having a beer and eating a chicken quesadilla should be able to look at the screen and be like, that's a touchdown, and we all should agree upon it. Yesterday, not the case here. Also, how about at night? San Francisco 49ers Brandon Ayu catches a punt, or should I say kicks a punt, into the end zone and gets tackled into the end zone when he has possession. But since he didn't have possession, it turned into a touchback. Final thing I'm going to talk about, college football, nobody asked for this. Nobody asked for 19 straight two-point conversions in overtime. What was wrong with overtime the way it was? Absolutely nothing. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Leave it the way it is. Put me in commission of all these leagues. We have a much, much better sporting experience. Now, as for the early line, we'll be back tomorrow to talk World Series action. But stay tuned for Ben Stevens and yours truly coming up on the morning after.